0: For too many years, families of children with devastating illnesses have felt helpless as they watched their child suffer. Today, they're taking matters into their own hands and finally finding relief, treating their child with cannabis. These are their stories.
1: Hey guys, welcome to another episode. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, today we have an interesting guest coming from the UK. Yes. Uh, Miss Hannah Deacon. Uh, she's a medical cannabis campaigner, as well as a director of a program at Maple Tree Medical Cannabis Consultants. And she's also an executive director of the Medical Cannabis Clinicians uh, Society. Uh, welcome, Hannah. Welcome. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Oh, this is awesome. You know, it's, uh, we've talked to so many people in the industry, whether it's from the medical side or recreational side, but it's in the U.S. or Canada. We haven't had anyone on the other side of the, you know, the globe, I'm uh, thinking about especially when it comes to the U.K. And how are you yeah. guys doing? And also, basically, how did you get into the cannabis role? I'm assuming that you had no interest in it and all of a sudden now you find yourself in it.
0: Yeah, I mean, basically, my journey into medical cannabis pretty much started in 2016. Um, My son, Alfie, he's now nine. um, He was born in 2011. And in 2012, he had catastrophic seizures uh, where he had thousands of seizures. He was in hospital for four months. He was only eight months old when this happened um and he was in intensive care he it, w- it was just horrendous you know we went from having a little baby who was perfectly fine to being very very poorly um and the only medici- medicine that he responded to was intravenous steroids so he doesn't respond to antiepileptics he he only responded to steroids and um we were sent ho- home after 4 months in hospital and told he had immune responsive epilepsy they didn't know what would happen to him. He may be okay, he may not be okay. Wow. Um and he yeah, it was it was horrendously traumatic. And we carried on with life as you do, and he became unwell again at eight after eight months after the first cluster of seizures and he kept doing that till he was four. And then at four his seizures started to come every three weeks. So he had these huge clusters of seizures requiring intravenous, intravenous steroids every three weeks, and then by the age of five, he was having 150 to 250 seizures a week, um, requiring up to 25 doses of intravenous methylprednisolone a month, which is basically a, a, an intravenous steroid. And, and we know that steroids suppress your immune response. So, yes. and then he was diagnosed with a condition called PCDH19, which for us is a non-inherited genetic mutation, which causes clustering seizures, mild to severe learning delay and behaviour problems. And doctors said to us, well we don't know what we can do for him there's there's only nine boys that we know with this diagnosis in the world so there's no research there's no understanding there's about twenty thousand girls it affects girls more but again many of them are in america um and there's only one or two in europe so it's very very small amount of pf children affected so there's very little understanding And in 2016, when Alfie was so severely ill and I was taking him into hospital every week in the back of an ambulance at two or three in the morning, which is when his seizures start, always at night, um, I just thought, well, I've got to try and help him. You know, I can't just sit back and hope the doctors find a cure because that's never going to happen. And um, that's when I started to basically took to the internet and tried to find a replacement for the steroids. And, And cannabis just kept coming up as something that could work and you know, that's what took me on this amazing journey of discovering what this plant can do. Um, We obviously couldn't access it in the UK at that time. It was illegal, a Schedule 1 drug, you know, of no medicinal value. Um, so in 2017, after raising money to go, we went and lived in Holland, where it is legal to prescribe for five months. Um, And the medicine worked. And we came home in 2018. And ran a very effective campaign um, with a a lobby group called End Our Pain. And that was very successful. And in June 2018, Alfie, my son, received the first permanent medical cannabis license for prescription of a cannabis-based medicine on the NHS. So, you know, that's a very brief synopsis of my story, but that's how I ended up working and advocating and campaigning for better access to safe medicines for children like my son and for all patients to be honest any any patients that that believes that they should have access to medicine on, on the nhs i you know i try to represent them and work very hard to to get access for them
1: oh my god i mean god bless you and uh, i mean the strength in finding the empowerment through this plant to help your son like that's a major decision to make to like move to literally to another country just to help your child.
0: Yeah. I mean, we were in a terrible state, you know, I was very traumatized. My, you know, my family were falling apart. I had a daughter at that time, by the time my son was six, when we went, I had a daughter who was three, um, when I did have seizures, he became very violent and aggressive because of all the steroids he'd been given and all the seizures he'd had. And, My partner's six foot three and used to play rugby. And I just had this vision of, you know, not being able to look after my child if it carried on or him passing away. And and people say that. They say, you know, you must have had a lot of strength to do it. Well, yes, I did. I decided to fight. But actually, facing my child's death is far more frightening than anything I've done.
2: Absolutely. You know, I
0: don't don't want to do that. (laughs) So um, I've had to fight for him. And it is very sad because there is so much fear and stigma around the word cannabis still in the UK. Oh yes. Many many doctors are very fearful of it. Um, Like my partner said when we came back and and we went to see Alfie's neurologist, he said, you know, why aren't you excited about this? Alfie's gone from having hundreds and hundreds of seizures a week to none, you know, pretty much none. He was like, "You, you should be excited, but they're not excited, they're terrified. Um, so that's why I work with the Medical Cannabis Clinicians Society in the UK to educate doctors educate allied health workers you know I want people to be informed and empowered and then hopefully they'll make better decisions for their patients and that's you know it's it's a long journey though unfortunately and access is still very limited there's only three NHS prescriptions at the moment in the UK and it's been legal to prescribe for two years um, since our campaign and then there's um, private prescriptions now there's clinics where we can access private medicine but that's very very costly and there's around 2,000 uh, prescriptions for private healthcare, but that's just not fair on people it's you know it's it, not, it's it's not fair.
1: money yeah
0: people who-
1: <laughs> yeah they call it dispense i believe the dispensaries in our country you know, that's what they call it um that's outside of the medical realm you know basically your general you know practitioners but it is it's expensive but at the time but as it starts to help more and more people people have to make that choice whether they you know they eat or get their <laughs> medicine <laughs> yeah. and it's crazy it is crazy so, to well, come exactly. to that point I,
0: I think the problem is that what's the difference in the uk is that we have um, a national health service which is free at the point of delivery so mm. we are very very lucky in that sense but we are also as as british people very very used to receiving all our medicine and our procedures and our operations for free. You know, we pay for it well, we pay for it through our taxes. You know, we pay taxes and we then get health care. Um, but unfortunately it, it you know it, it doesn't work like that at the moment. You know, if if you don't if if doctors in the UK deemed and, and NICE, which is the National Institute of Clinical Excellence, which allows doc, uh, medicines to be licensed or not licensed on the NHS. They say there's not enough clinical evidence of safety for cannabis, wow. which I would refute massively. There's, you know, over 160 million people using cannabis as medicine on a daily basis throughout the world. You know, we know that this medicine is safe. We know that it, when used correctly, it is safe. Um, what we should be doing is looking at all the real world data that's available, but they will not. They will only look at what's called randomized control data, which is what pharmaceutical companies do. Yeah. and that's not, that that doesn't lend itself to the cannabis plant because the cannabis plant works in a you know in, a, in the entourage effect, and that's not a single compound pharmaceutical. And I think you know there's a lot of work that we have to do still in in convincing doctors and all these medical bodies that actually cannabis is a medicine, but not as they know it, not a pharmaceutical. It's, it's a botanical medicine. Yes. You know? and so it is very, very frustrating because it's changed my son's life. It's changed my life, but changed my family's life. And I, you know, that's why I feel so passionately about it because it, it can change, change worlds for people. And, and yeah. it, we must, you know, people must have safe access as far as I'm concerned.
1: When you were fighting uh, basically for your son's life, and you know, once you came back home and you found out that the cannabis is working and you're ready to preach the word, and you found all this resistance for it, and yet mm-hmm. you have a living example of it working, how hard was it to convince the political powers that be in stating we need to really look into this? We need to have this available because these doctors wrote my son off and they were almost killing him and i find a plant in another country to come back and then you tell me i can't use it like well
0: yeah. we we were actually very lucky in the sense that the media in the uk and the public mm. were very very supportive Okay. So when I came back in 2018 and we had to take Alfie off the medicine because obviously it was illegal to bring it into the UK without a, a license or a prescription, he became very poorly again. Um, but I went on to, you know, it's called BBC Breakfast. It's the breakfast uh, news mm-hmm. program on BBC. And I went on there on the 26th of February 2018 and I talked about Alfie and how it, much it improved. And we got. A, they had a, a comment from the Home Office because the Home Office were obviously dealing with it because it was a Schedule One drug, and they said that cannabis in its raw form has no medicinal value. And whilst we empathise with this family, we will not allow them to have it on the NHS. So that's where we began, and then we got so much public support. We had a petition that was signed by over six hundred thousand people. Wow. Oh wow! And we- we were interviewed all the time, and and we, they really, you know, took the case to their hearts. And in March, we met the Prime Minister at the time it was Theresa May, mm-hmm. and she actually allowed our doctors to apply for a license. I think probably because we were just making so much noise, and she wanted us to be quiet.
1: Exactly, go away.
0: And, yeah, <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, those who shout loudest get what they want. I'm afraid. Agreed. That's, That's so yeah. true. It, it shouldn't be like that because there's many, many people that don't have the ability to do what I did. And i and that's why I can continue to campaign every day now for the many thousands of patients who don't have a voice or don't have the ability to go out and do what I did. And I know I'm very, very fortunate to have been able to do that and to be, a, to, and to have been heard. But yeah, I mean, basically we were just very very well supported and we met the prime minister and then three we worked with the home office for three months creating a personal license application which had never been done while cannabis was prohibited because you know it was only research that cannabis licenses were available for um and then yeah as i say in june 18 we had to push a little bit more in the media and then Alfie received this license and i was told on national television that he'd received it so it was it was a very amazing time and, and I was, you know, we felt very blessed to be part of some, uh, you, know, you know, very historical moment in in our country. But sadly, when the law changed on the 1st of November to allow prescriptions to be done by doctors, um, they just won't prescribe because there isn't the randomised control evidence that they are being told that there should be. So it's, it's really sad and... Um, you know I hope that it gets better for people because it's just not good enough at the moment and and as I say the people that are accessing it privately for their children are paying thousands of pounds every month oh to man. access it privately and that's just wrong people can't afford it especially when they're usually have a, a full-time carer as what well. you know one of the partners is usually a full-time carer earning yeah. you know <laughs> hardly anything in benefits and you know these people have had enough they're treated terribly you know having a child with a disability is not something you choose it's very very hard there's a lot of trauma a lot of grief yeah and then on top of that you're having to fight to raise money to pay for medicine and it's just unacceptable yeah, it is it's unacceptable very sad.
1: yeah it's like you're you're fighting, you're like fighting on like different um front lines it's like oh my god like i'm fighting everybody just for my child to survive i have to fight yeah. all of these things all these individuals all these yeah. institutions it's like almost yeah. madness it's it's sad for what it you is, know
0: it's really sad and um, you know we have had people in the past said, you know, a lot of these families, oh, well, you should just grow your own, you know, and yeah. whatever. But I, I was about
1: to ask I, you I that. Would, <laughs>
0: I, would, I, mean, I, I do refute that in the sense that it's not easy to grow cannabis. Yes, yeah, sure. Um, it's and another actually, job. it's illegal in the UK to do that. And and if you have a disabled child, the last thing you want to be doing is growing cannabis because you don't want to be losing your child and, and oh. not being able to look after them and at the same point i mean i remember my friend saying she said i can't keep a houseplant alive <laughs>
1: thought, that's true <laughs> that's me you
0: know it, it's it's it should be you know i i feel strongly that if people want to do that if it's for their personal use then that's that's fine you know as long as they're, it's safe and they they you know not they're not doing anything wrong they're looking after their own health then why not but at the end of the day it's not appropriate four people who are disabled or four children who have epilepsy who need very consistent products um, every day you know they and parents just don't want to do it so you know I know that there are people that don't necessarily agree with what you know we're trying to do but I think it's something really important to understand that you know, we should have the right to have a choice of being able to be dispensed a product because that makes our lives a lot easier and it makes, and we know it's safe. True.
2: So let me uh, get something clear. So in the UK, um, it's, it's very difficult to get a marijuana card or there well
0: basically in the UK now cannabis medicines are in schedule one so that means that a clinician on our specialist register can prescribe what's called GMP so good uh, manufacturing products so that means they have to have a GMP certification
2: mm-hmm.
0: so that product can then be prescribed um, on the NHS but it's not happening because they, don't, they say there's not enough evidence oh. so the only way you can get a prescribable product at the moment is through a private prescription, so you have to pay for it.
2: Okay, same if, here. If yeah.
0: you were to grow cannabis, then that's illegal. That's still um, seven years in prison or fourteen years if you're caught dealing. So wow. it's still illegal to to have anything to do with cannabis unless
2: it's prescribed. And what about
0: um CBD? So CBD is it's a, a grey area. CBD. So CBD is available over the what's called over-the-counter products so it's widely available cbd all over okay and you can buy hemp cbd at the health food shop no problem Um, there is a big problem in the uk with quality Mm -hmm. so um, there was a recent study done into the quality of cbd products and some of them didn't even have any cbd in them yeah Um, so there is a real problem with regulation around that and that's um going to be uh, next year uh, the fsa the food standards authority are actually going to bring out um new legislation called novel foods which basically says that anything um after a, i can't remember the date but it, it's cl- basically it's classed as a novel food so it has to be tested before if it's going to be it has to have novel food licensing if it's going to be on the shelf so that so, so the cbd market in the uk is going to change hugely uh, come next year because there's going to be a huge amount of products that will just be taken off the shelves. I don't disagree with regulation of CBD products because they are, at the moment, there's lots of really bad quality ones. But I think at the, I do worry about the really good companies that can't afford to pay for this licensing will go out of business. And that's very sad. Um, But it's a gray area because CBD is classed as a supplement in the UK, but actually it's medicine for some people. I know people... Who have anxiety for example who use over-the-counter cbd as a medicine absolutely um, so it's a very gray area you know at the moment in the uk but yeah you can buy anyone can go and buy a good quality cbd down the street no problem legally pains more the the league the, the legislation in the uk is that that there, there must be no more than one milligram of thc per container
2: wow Summer. that's not much we are we allowed we're allowed more definitely more
1: yeah more cb than more now, t- 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 we're allowed
2: the legal limit for us is um percent. so that's definitely more than one milligram per bottle
0: yeah but it depends how big the bottle is doesn't it that's the thing as
2: well yeah,
0: because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we were we,
2: illegal oh. we have we were one that we were using with um our son it was basically 20 to one so 20 yeah. milligrams per yeah per um, ml. Mm. So that's that's definitely more than one ml per bottle for sure.
0: Yeah. Wow. So the, the sort of medicine that my son is on, um, it's called Vedralite, which is a Vedra product. It's a high CBD, low THC product. So that has 100 milligrams of CBD in per ml mm-hmm. and 5 milligrams of THC. So oh, that's nice. why I do, um, it has to be prescribed because otherwise it would be illegal to to obtain. Got it. And how's he doing? He's doing amazingly well, thank you. Um, You know, I think it's really, really important to stress it's no cure. Of course. As you know, people with chronic illness get amazing results from using cannabis, but it's not a cure for him. What I would say is it has been his miracle in the sense that I really thought he was going to die in, in 2016. And now he lives a full, happy life. He's just started school um, at a special school for children with uh, disabilities, which yeah. was a big step for him, me and his dad to choose to do that because before he was in a mainstream school, but actually he's thrived there. He loves it. They're very, very good with him. Um, he has very big amounts of seizure freedom now. He's had 11 months seizure-free. Wow, then
1: awesome. Then
0: breakthrough seizures and now he's on month six of seizure freedom again. So we are very blessed. Yeah.
1: How is this diet? Because that's one of the things and when you say that, you know, CBD is not the all end all, and we and we believe that is just part of the puzzle um as you put everything together to make sure he has a complete um balance in life. Um, so, what's his diet like? Is he picky? Because we're starting to see our son gets picky too. But for the most part, he loves to eat, but most of his vegetables. So, how is your son with his <laughs> that's eating?
0: I <that's> <laughs> <laughs> wish, my daughter would eat her vegetables. Um, <laughs> well, I think when when Alfie became unwell, I did sort of go on this um, real big reevaluation of what was healthy and what was not healthy, and I think that. You know, it just hit me as to all the things that we're told as parents that are the right thing to do for our kids. I think actually sometimes are not the right thing to do for our kids. We're finding <laughs> the
2: same thing. <laughs> we were talking about yeah. that last night.
0: Yeah. And I and I believe firmly that the one most important lesson I've learned through this whole experience is listen to your mother's instinct. Listen to your father's instinct, because we know best. Yes. We know especially mothers you know without sounding sexist we are you know we we give birth to our children we know inside now and I had so many gut feelings about what was best for my son and I ignored them because I thought well my mum knows best she's granny or my sister knows best or the lady the health visitor knows best or the lady down the shop knows best I felt like everyone knew best but me because what do I know I'm just his mother but then I realised that actually I need to start listening to me because I do know best. And ever since I've started listening to me, I've got it right. And I'm not saying that I will always get it right, but I have got it right most more times than not. And that's because I'm his mum. And so we did go on this big journey of sort of really looking at diet, really looking at lifestyle. And, you know, what, what are we putting into our children? Is that causing these sort of toxic reactions to happen who knows but yes so he is he's dairy and gluten free um he eats really well he's but he's so slim because he doesn't eat sugar either he has no sugar in his diet at all um that's because he doesn't want it but i've never given him sugar or anything and i've just tried really hard to keep him as healthy as possible but you know he does eat pretty well if I put carrots and peas and broccoli on his plate, he won't eat it. But if I make soups and, you know, curries and all that sort of stuff, he'll eat whatever that is in in there. So <laughs> I get that to him. So, yeah, I mean, I think on the whole, I'm trying to make him as healthy and robust as possible. And and I believe that's why cannabis is part of this healthcare revolution, because it builds into that change in lifestyle, because it's, it's a natural medicine. And I think... You know, that's why it, it's become so, you know, people are so interested in it now because it does sort of go into that way of thinking about the life that you lead and, and how healthy it is.
1: Yeah. Now, how empowering has, has you been, you know, basically have been feeling once you gave that aha moment? You're like, oh, my God. And you're able to stand in front of politicians. I don't think that was ever something that in your... uh I guess your bucket list in life saying, you know, I'm going to be pushing for a bill or I'm going to push an agenda in front of these politicians. I'm going to meet with the prime minister. I'm going to talk to these doctors. I'm going to tell them exactly, you know, it's not something that you wake up and say, this is what's going to happen. How oh, empowering shit. has that been?
0: <laughs> it's been a I mean, I feel, as I say, I feel very, very blessed to have had the opportunity to fight for my child like that. But but now, I mean, <coughs> excuse me. I am, um, you know, I, I, thought I'd ha- I thought I'd be like anyone else, do a job, have a child, you know, mm-hmm. go on holiday once a year and life would just be be simple. But actually, you know, I have got a lot of positivity from what's happened to me. And I know that sounds a bit odd because the grief and the trauma that I've also felt, the, the longing that my child would live and, and the dark nights I've spent in hospital have been unbearable yeah. but they've actually taught me so much about myself and they've taught yes. me about life and um, i think that sometimes when something really terrible happens to you it really can just change your life and make you realize
2: what life's about true it definitely does it, it has for us yeah it's That's a strength well. us
1: and actually You know what? So one of the things that we've brought up in our podcast, especially with parents who are dealing with a child with a disability, especially when it's (laughs) severe, that a good majority of them end up breaking up. Like marriages are, you know, families are breaking up over it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I was kind of shocked. You know, you know, you know, divorces happen, but the majority of divorces that happened is a disabled child in the home. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of parents out there on their own trying to figure it out.
0: I think it's about 50% in the UK of of children with disabled children that parents split up yeah one thing that I found when I was in hospital with Alfie all the time the amount of mothers I met on their own you know because Ah. the broken down it's incredibly sad and you know me and my partner have been tested to the limit you know especially when Alfie was having seizures every week and in hospital all the time but we have it has brought us closer together in the end it's it's made us stronger, and I think that that sort of life-changing event either makes you stronger or pulls you apart. And we have we have been very lucky that it's pulled us together, and and we've, you know, we have got so much positivity out of it. And I, I remember meeting this woman once when I was in a very dark place, and I was very, I was just on my own having coffee. I think I was just having a break because Alfie was very poorly, and she told me about her husband who was very poorly. And she had to look after him because he had an accident at work. And and she said, and I told her about Alfie, and she just said to me, but darling, we know what life's about. And I've never seen her again, and I've, I've never forgotten it. And I thought, she's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. You know, when something really difficult happens to you, it does teach you what matters in life. And I see so many people sweating the small stuff, and yes. it's just not worth it. Oh, <laughs> and my- so in that I think that it is a blessing to have a challenging situation heading your way, especially when it comes to your children, because when light, when they're well, when they're healthy, when life is good, then nothing matters.
2: You know, nothing else matters. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. My wife
1: reminds me of that all the time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. so, Don't worry about
0: anything.
1: Some of your true. kids are okay. <laughs> so can you, can you tell us about Alfie's hope? So, is that an organization that you um you create on behalf of Alfie?
0: Um, yeah, basically, it was just our campaign. We're not an organization necessarily, okay. but Alfie's hope is on social media. So we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. and I just, I basically started blogging about um, what it was like to be the parent of a child with epilepsy. And I don't really do it now um, because obviously I've done so much advocacy work and I've, I've got Alfie's license and everything. But at the beginning, yes, it, was, it was about a personal story. I just needed to talk to people about how it was because I feel very strongly that People like us, you know, parents of children with disabilities are completely forgotten. That's how I feel in the yeah. UK. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of focus on young carers or carers of the elderly. But what about parents who have children and have to care for them for the rest of their lives? They, you know, they remain in child, you know, for the rest of their lives. That is, you know, there's a lot of grief, a lot of trauma, a lot of lack of support you know government underfunding of services for people like us and and I just really wanted to talk about it so it was really just a blog initially and then I just we we started raising money to go to Holland and and we did a petition through change.org so yeah Alfie's Hope was just my way of sharing what we were going through really and getting support and we have about 12,000 followers which isn't huge but it was it was nice at the time we got you know we get and, and there's a lot of lovely people there that I feel, you know, we have got a lot of strengths from us talking about how we feel about things.
1: Yeah. And it did, and like I stated before, it just empowers you with this, um, believing in this plant to see what it's done for your child. Because we mm-hmm. went through the same route as well the 100 to 200 seizures a day, not sleeping, patting the floor, having him wear a helmet in the running back and forth of doctors where they're like looking at us like we have no idea why he has these seizures you know and it's like not getting anywhere and then it's like you're left on your own to figure it out yeah. while you're trying to yeah. balance life yeah
0: it's really it, i'm sorry you know it, it is it's really tough and i um you know i i I think about that all the time I you know I know there's thousands of families like that in the UK who are dealing with that all the time and and they they don't have to you know they may not have to they they should have the opportunity to try cannabis as a medicine you know they should and and they don't at the moment and it's incredibly sad um basically based because of stigma and because of You know, I think a lot of it boils down to money as well and power and all the wrong reasons why it's not available. You know, I would love to live in a world where people, especially those with disabilities and poor people or less fortunate people, you know, mattered to governments, but I'm afraid... We we don't feel like we're there at the moment. I feel like we're hurtling backwards at the moment. Unfortunately, on that front,
1: but I agree. I totally agree. It's always about the money. So mm. for us here in the states, I'm not sure if it for you guys. Um, November is epilepsy awareness month. Do you have? Do you you guys also have that?
0: Uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I follow the PCDH nineteen page, uh, mm-hmm. which is the PCDH nineteen Alliance in America. That's that's based in America, and they do yeah, they do that in November. Yeah.
1: Okay. Are you going to be doing hosting anything? or Are you going to be uh, well?
0: About? Uh, the first the of November is the two year anniversary for uh, the rescheduling of cannabis as a, oh. as a medicine schedule two. So we are, there is um, something called Medical Cannabis Week um, in the UK from the 1st to the 8th of November, um, which is where there's going to be lots of events on. So doctors talking, uh, scientists talking about cannabis, because we're just, just, again, trying to educate the public, um, trying to sort of demystify <laughs> the cannabis plant and try and get more people on site. So that's what we're doing for that. Um, I'm also doing some campaign work with um, an organisation called MedCansupport.co.uk, which was created by parents of children with epilepsy for education of parents of children with epilepsy and their carers. Because a lot of the problem as well is that people, you know, parents of children with epilepsy, want access to medical cannabis on prescription, but they don't understand anything about it. So we're trying to empower people by education by understanding about the plant terpenes flavonoids you know how it works why it works that sort of thing and so they have they're more empowered to work with their positions on on access and we're doing some campaigning around access that week as well so yeah we will be doing lots of stuff to market and 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 yeah and ha- trying to push it forward trying to help people access medicine on the NHS, which is the ultimate goal.
1: Wow. The warrior mom. (laughs) I don't think that was something you were looking as part of your, you know, uh, becoming a mother, is that you're going to be that warrior. And now look at you, you're like, wow.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel, again, I feel blessed to have found something I really love. I really feel, you know, it's really important. The one thing for me that remains the same and will always remain the same is that I want to see a patient-centered industry because it you know we will have a a sector in the uk there will be people wanting to grow there will be people wanting to extract and make products for prescription but the most important thing for me is that it's patient-led and it's patient-centered and i'm afraid i do meet um, a lot of people in my life now that are in it for money and yeah. that is not acceptable for me. I mean, I understand that there has to be a commercial side to things because people have to earn money, but that shouldn't be your focus. Your focus should be people yeah. and families and patients. And so I'm working hard in trying to remind all the people that I talk to in this sector that that's what matters um, as well. So that's really important to me. Okay. So, I, yeah, I feel very lucky that I've found something that I really enjoy doing. I'm very lucky.
1: Wow. Well... <laughs> There's so many questions in my mind, but I understand where you're coming from because, as parents, and we've gone through that same route, uh, you know, not to the extent of leaving a country to find help, but really reaching out to other people in different states. So, we totally Mm -hmm. understand your journey. We feel you and we uh, we appreciate you and love you as well as, you know, as part of this network of parents that are fighting for our child's life. Uh, If you had to tell people, you know, who are going to be going through something that you're going through Have we've gone through what would you share with them you know for those parents who are like should i use cannabis should should i even consider it what should i do what would you want to say to them
0: well um i think two things really is educate yourself um as i say we there's a, a good website that i've said we've helped set up in the uk called uk. but there's it there's loads and loads and loads of information online you know learn about the endocannabinoid system learn about the plant learn about how it works because knowledge is power and it gives yeah. you strength if you understand what you're talking about and secondly as, a, as i said previously it's go with your gut instinct and i know that that sounds very simple but so many parents ignore their gut instinct they just think well doctor knows best or or you know teacher knows best or you know and I'm not saying that you don't work with your physicians you must you must listen to them but they are also just professionals like all of us and they get things wrong and we must as parents do what we think is right for our children and I believe that as you say, you know, you've had to fight for your child. And if you hadn't of, where would they be? <laughs> you know, yeah, and, and you, you have to have that faith. And I just think a lot of it is confidence and getting to the point where you just can't, I mean, I mine wasn't really about confidence. I just got to rock bottom. I just literally thought I can't do this anymore. I can't live like this. And I thought, well, I can either go and jump off a cliff or I can fight. And I'm very lucky that I decided to fight, you know? Yeah. and. I, I just would implore any person in this position to, to fight, you know, have hope, have faith and have determination and listen to your gut instincts because you are always right.
1: True, true. Well said. Well said. Thank you very much for joining us. If anybody wanted to uh, get in contact with you that may be in the UK or US and wanted to uh, show some support, how would they be able to reach you?
0: Well, I'm on Facebook under Alfie's Hope. Uh, Twitter is Han, H-A-N, Seizure Mom. That's my Twitter handle. Mm -hmm. Um, Medcansupport.co.uk. Or I'm also, as I said, working as a consultant for Maple Tree Cannabis Consultants, which are based in the UK. And we are working very hard to create a patient-led and patient-centered industry within the UK.
1: Awesome. Again, Hannah, thank you. We appreciate you. keep up the good fight because you'll be surprised at how many people you're helping out there. And that's one of the things that we found out, you know, just by doing what we're doing, just bringing awareness has helped out a lot of families. So please keep doing what you're doing.
0: Thank you. And thank you for having me. And thank you to you. I, you know, I'm truly inspired by, I meet parents all the time that are pushing for this all over the world. And, and, you know, together we are making, you know, major changes for many thousands of people, millions of people, I hope. And so thank you to you as well.
1: Yes, thank you. And your your son, too, because he's part of history. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah i know it's, it's really special actually i i feel that i mean he doesn't know <laughs>
1: yeah right i just want to play
0: <laughs> you know which is nice that's the way it should be he should just be a nice happy little boy and not know anything about it but yeah. uh yeah he he is a very special child and i'm very blessed to call him mine
1: <laughs> that's awesome well again thank you very much for what you're doing and thank you for joining us
0: it's a pleasure thank you for having me
1: all right thank take you. care